Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by Get-Go Cafe and Market, where as always, you can get that Pilgrim sandwich in the fall. I've had it twice now. It's fantastic. I'm Chris Carter. He's Tom Reed. And Tom, who do we got here as a special guest star? This is Stevie. He just had his first Pilgrim a week ago, and, and he loved it. <laughs> well, that's great. Every, everybody should enjoy a Pilgrim sandwich, uh, which you can only get at Get-Go Cafe and Market. Tom, we talked a lot about last week the Steelers and Browns matchup and leading into it, you know, both teams had four wins. It was really exciting. And then it just turned into the same old beat down. The Steelers usually give the Browns marking, I think what their 17th straight win at Heinz field over the Browns or 18th. If you think if you consider, no, it's, it's 17th, it's 17th. Uh, but 17th, I know it's hard to keep track. Yeah. It, it's hard to keep track over the years. Uh, but, Tom, what was your response to just seeing just the way that it lost? Because to me, it was more than just the point differential. It was also about just how the, the Browns responded. You know, they've, 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 they have made progress, but, boy, you couldn't tell it in that game. You know, they, they just they came into it game four and one. This is, I think, the first time in six years that they were playing for first place in the division. And I uh, just, it was too rich for him. It was uh, Baker Mayfield had a terrible game. Uh, Miles Garrett had a sack, but really was kind of invisible. Uh, Odell Beckham kind of, kind of lost his rag there on the sidelines. And, you know, uh, he wasn't a factor. Uh, you could count on one hand how many uh, uh, good players, or I should say players, had a good performance for the Browns. And it's, it, it, you know, it's both teams on the field. The Steelers were excellent. I think uh, Mike Tomlin called it varsity football. And the Browns just weren't ready for it. They, they just, again, I, I just thought that this was a game that showed that they're a team that just isn't quite ready for those big games yet. And they really look like it. They, when it went 10-0, the game was over, at least in, as, as the way I looked at it. It's just they look, they started to get that 100-mile stare about them, like, oh, here we go again with the Steelers. And the game just quickly devolved from there. and. Uh, you know, it's for them, it's just going to have to be a lesson that the next time that they get in this situation with a big game, they'll have to handle it better. As you know, in these type of situations, momentum, how you handle momentum swings in games is huge. Well, the Browns didn't handle it at all, right? It, you know, they get they actually do a nice job limiting Pittsburgh to a field goal to start the game, give away just a terrible pass uh, by Mayfield, and it's 10 nothing. There's still 54 minutes left in the game. But the Browns were done. They were just shell-shocked by that. 
and it just kept getting worse and worse. The lead grew to 24 nothing uh, before the Browns finally got on the board. And you just you have to be able to manage momentum swings better than that. And that's part of a team that's just not used to being in, in big games. And again, credit the Steelers. They played terrific from number one to 53. The guys that almost everyone that got in that game played really well. Washington had a terrific game. Uh, you know, Claypool again impresses. James Conner would probably like to play against the Browns every game. Hey, it seems like he puts up 100 yards every time he plays against those nice. guys. Uh, so just a complete effort and it probably a great way to go into uh, this coming week, which is, I think, you know, we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. I just, I just think it was also, you know, I often talk about the in, in structural integrity of t- different teams and the foundation that they're working from on top of, you know, strength and talent on the field. You know, a lot of people were trying to sell that the Browns had changed and that they could handle those type of momentum swings and how they could respond better to things. But in that game, I mean, like you said, you know, even beyond just when they went down 10 nothing, I mean, you saw this team quit. You know, you know, and even the, some of the guys that may have been trying, as a whole, it seemed like the team was, was out of gas midway through. And then they pull Baker Mayfield in the start of the fourth quarter. And then some people were like, well, that was just because his ribs were hurting and he was taking hard hits. But they also pulled Miles Garrett and Odell Beckham Jr. I believe Jarvis Landry soon after that. Like, they, they started pulling all of their stars. And it's like, you're, you're not even going to fight in, in this game against your rival that you're supposed to be making a statement game against and that they abused you for, a, for a, another year. It, 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 to me, it just, and then again, when you see Odell Beckham Jr. arguing with fans on the sidelines, his cleats, his cleats off his feet and he's, he's walking around in his socks. I, I just saw more of the saying that this is still a Browns organization that doesn't know how to win and doesn't seem to be getting pointed in the right direction to change that mentality. Yeah, I, I think that's all fair. When you when you when you lay a lay an egg the way that they laid one here this past week, then it's it's very natural to think it, it's still a lot of the same stuff. And uh, again, they're going to have to fight through that. That it's, it's just one of those situations. I thought it was interesting. If you look back in the last I don't know how many years of this rivalry, obviously it's been dominated largely by the Steelers. The Browns get a win in here and there, but the games have not necessarily unless the Browns have been really awful, the games are usually fairly close. Like they're, they're within a touchdown, 10 points. Uh, it's in it, like most NFL games, it's the, the, the outcome is in doubt going into the fourth quarter. I thought the Steelers look, took this challenge. I don't want to say differently, but they were like, okay, you want to step up here? You want to, you think you're, you can play with a first place team. Let's have at it. And they were just, you look at the, the, I mean, obviously Mayfield takes a lion's share of the criticism for this because of the interceptions early in the game that led to two touchdowns, one directly. But the offense and defensive line of the Steelers dominated the game. They just absolutely just took it away from the Browns. Uh, again, uh, you know, look through their play, the Browns' playmakers, offensive or defensive, none of them made an impact. You know, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, filling in – I don't want to say filling in because he plays a lot anyway – but for Nick Chubb, didn't do much. You know, Beckham was uh, – as we're talking, we've talked for a minute about Odell Beckham. We didn't say anything about his game because he didn't do anything. Jarvis Landry couldn't get really get going. Uh, the, the guy that controlled the game for the Browns as far as field position was their punter. And when your punter is one of your main weapons in a game, in a big game, you know it's, it's, not, it's not going your way. So we'll see if the Browns learn any lessons. 
Um, if they do get back in this opportunity, their schedule is so weak. Uh, they still, I think, have a chance to win, you know, nine or ten games, although they've got to, they've got to take care of business this week against Cincinnati because that game was fairly close. And then they go to Houston, a team that I think we can both agree is better than a one-win team. They, they've had a really hard schedule to begin the season. And you know, the Browns on the road is never a, a sure thing by any stretch. So they're going to have to kind of take care of some business here to give themselves another chance to impress people or say, look, we're not the same old Browns. But it's going to be weeks of, of kind of building themselves back up against the, after that stink bomb. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Rolling on with Morning Java here. Tom, a report came out that the NFL isn't considering any major punishments for the Tennessee Titans for their violations of of the COVID-19 protocols. We saw the pictures and the reports that they were practicing off-site, off-facilities, while their facilities were closed. Um, Further, you know, on top of whatever whatever breaks in the protocols might have caused the initial outbreak, if there were any, uh, they definitely you know, put themselves more at risk and the league more at risk with their decisions as we saw their outbreak really span over two weeks and uh, push back, you know, we, we, the Steelers game which to this week and push back their Bills game until that Tuesday night of that week. Um, it, this, just se- this just seemed like a, a, a very bizarre situation. And for their violation to be reported two days after Roger Goodell left that, that huge memo that said, we're going to, you know, there's going to be harsher punishments if you're breaking protocols. And now we're hearing no draft picks being taken, uh, no no forfeiting of games, no just 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 fines. Does this to you ring like the NFL was just full of it the whole time? I think it rings to me that that the the Titans were very fortunate. They were the first team to really go through this, where point. there wasn't really a hard hard and set fast. It was everything was kind of at the time everything was kind of changing on the fly. They, the, the NFL had, for the first couple of weeks of the season kind of got, got through everything where, okay, well, we, we, we hopefully we'll be okay. And then all of a sudden you have this major outbreak with one team. And as you said, it wasn't like they had like nine guys and then it was done. No, it was every day. It seemed like there was another player uh, being caught, uh, you know, testing positive or some uh, personnel member testing positive. I think the only thing that saved them here was they are were really the first guinea pigs in all this, if that's the right word, uh, that maybe there was some leniency. I know one thing, if, if another team ends up in that situation and getting having to forfeit a draft pick or, or getting some serious punishment, they'll look back and then say, why not the Titans? Why didn't they do it? They're the ones – they created all this. So I do see that, that point of view. And I, and I certainly understand why, why Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh side of it, it was just like, you know, look, look at the schedule that we're, we're now put in because of these guys were irresponsible. I just, again, think that they were, the Titans were very lucky that they were kind of the first team where everyone in the, in the league office was probably trying to figure out what exactly 
what punishment, if any, we should give these guys. Uh, so I, I think they were fortunate in that way. And that's my thing is that they may be fortunate in that way, but, you know, beyond the Steelers and their schedule changing, my thing is this, is that that's a message to any other team, any other team that, that goes to their first set of protocol violations, they can do whatever the heck they want. They can go practice off site and, you know, and, and try to not get caught. And if they get caught, they can say, oh, well, you let the Titans get away with it. You just, just find us and we'll move on. We'll just take no forfeits or no lost draft picks. It just seems to me that that was a major chance for the NFL to set a serious tone so that every other team in the league knows they can't do that. And now teams kind of know that this is just like, you know, you know, uh, you know, a, a roughing the passer penalty or just a, you know, a, a, an unnecessary roughness penalty where you flag me and then you find me at the end of the week. You know, honestly, if we feel like this is going to make us better, why not do it? I just I, I don't know if, if that is the tone the NFL should have set with this instance. Yeah, again, I, I don't know where they they kind of go from here on this, uh, where the NFL goes on this goes here, because Again, it's just I, I do. The only thing is, I, I do give them. I, I don't want to sound like I'm not coming down. They sh they they shouldn't. Someone shouldn't come down really hard on them. But I, I think again, they just benefited from. It was really the first major outbreak, and they weren't quite sure what to do. And I probably think I probably wonder too, is in the back of their mind if they weren't like this could happen to six other teams in the next eight weeks. And are we going to be? Are we going to take away eight draft picks again? I'm I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here here a little bit. I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just thinking that the NFL was caught in a situation where there's just no precedent for anything like this. So Tom, let's get to talking about the Titans Steelers game. Both teams five and zero. Oh. Uh, this is going. This is of course going to be the game of the week for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you look at the Titans, the way that they've been able to win. Uh, Derrick Henry's been going ballistic. Ryan Tannehill, extremely proficient with the football uh, or eff efficient with the football. And you look at the Steelers, th there's a lot of ways in how I think we, we were talking about last week, how I kept saying, you know, there was the unstoppable force reasons meets the immovable object with the strengths of the Browns and the strengths of the Steelers. You have that again with the Browns or the Browns, the Titans running game uh, with Derrick Henry. Uh, being one of the best in the NFL, going up against the Steelers, which is still the number two uh, ranked rushing defense after they just shut down uh, the team that was the number one ranked rushing offense. Yeah, in some ways, a little bit. It's it, the Browns in some ways kind of provided at least a blueprint for, for, for you know, similar type of approaches where the quarterback, I don't want to, you know, Tannehill, I still think is kind of a game manager, um, much the way Mayfield's trying to become. Uh, I do think that the Titans will put up a much better fight. I, 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 if I look around the league right now, and I, I don't know if you would agree with me, but if the, the four teams to me that at this point of the season have a chance to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC, Kansas City, uh, you, you look at Baltimore's probably going to at least be in the conversation, and the two teams that are playing Sunday. You know, I, I think the Titans, for all we've talked about with the COVID, um, you know, they're showing why they went to the AFC title game last year and gave Kansas City a major scare in the AFC title game before Kansas City had the big comeback. Uh, they're a heavy team. They're, they're, a, they're a strong team, uh, very much built in Mike Vrabel's image. Um, so I think this is a great test. It's, 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 it's a difficult test. And now, now who do the Steelers have right after this? 
Is it the, the Ravens? Ravens? Yeah, the Ravens. I mean, again, this goes back to we it goes back to our second segment about how <laughs> this is not an ideal back to back games for the Steelers, but you have to play what's in front of you, and they, they better not be looking past the Titans because they are a they're a really solid team. Um, I remember last year, Chris, at the beginning of the season, if you, you remember, that was the Browns' opener against the Titans, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, how could you get beat so bad by the Titans?" You look back at the schedule uh, that season, the Titans ended up being one of the best teams they played all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're no joke, and uh, that 5-0 and record is no joke. I know they struggled to subdue uh, Houston. Again, another team that I think is a lot better than their record. Uh, this is going to be a really good test on Sunday, and if, they, if, if the Steelers can put up anywhere near the performance they put up against the Browns, then I think that, that they're really, really on the right track because – that's going to be a formidable test. These next two weeks, I think, are going to tell us a lot about where the Steelers' hopes are for winning us or at least getting deep into the playoffs and having a shot at going to the, the, the Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. It's a huge test for the Steelers uh, against the Titans. Um, and I, I think one of the things that might get overlooked is we look at some of the high-profile players on this team. You know, I really like Kevin Byer to free safety. they got Jeffrey Simmons in the interior defensive line. You know, they've got, they've got athletes out there, but – at the same time, you look at their at their total defense numbers, and you see their passing game and their passing defense and their rushing defense, both giving up significant you know amounts of yards, and both ranking towards the bottom of the league in those categories. This could be an opportunity for the Steelers' offense to show, hey, you know what what happened last week was wasn't just last week. This is something that can happen throughout the, throughout the season in the way that it was able to score touchdowns from all different ways. They had James Washington, Chase Claypool, Benny Snell, and James Conner all scoring touchdowns for them last week um, on top of the defense getting a score of its own. So uh, you're absolutely right. I think this is a huge test, but I think a big part of this could be the Steelers asserting itself against a a Titans team that's that's played very well, but they have their own struggles just like the Steelers do early on. Yeah, and again, I, I think if you if there's any such thing as momentum going into a game like this, the Steelers have to feel really good about themselves. Again, if, if the Browns, we, we just spent three minutes talking about how bad they played. But uh, you know, the Steelers just I – go, I go back to Mike Tomlin's. That was a varsity performance uh, from just every facet of play. They have to feel real good. They have to feel real positive about their game where it is right now, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about how they're getting by, they're getting by, they're winning, they're letting teams back in the game. It's not, it's not been a complete performance. Well, that was a complete performance. And that's the kind of game you want going into a kind of a showdown type of game at the top of the AFC. 